At Woodside Bible Church, we gather each week to pursue God by studying His Word together. We eagerly wait with anticipation for the return of Jesus, when He will make everything wrong, right. In a way, He's always reigned over all things, but on the other hand, His saving grace has received pushback and rejection from the evil of this world. Join us in our new series, Thy Kingdom Come, His Reign in Our Lives where we'll learn what the reign of Jesus truly means for us believers and how we, as the body of Christ, can continue spreading his name until he returns. All right, this morning, if you have a Bible or a trunk device, I want to encourage you to take it out and turn with me to Mark chapter 4, Mark chapter 4, we're going to begin in verse 1 this morning. Mark chapter 4, and hopefully you've, um, hopefully you're here today, ready just to hear from the Lord this morning. Back in high school, I had the opportunity to participate in a science fair. Now, how many of you have ever participated in science fair, love science fair? Some of you might hate science fair. Well, I was one of those kids that, like, I didn't really care about science fair. So I, every time it came around, it was something we had to do. And so I'm like, well, let's come up with the craziest experiment that I could find. So what I decided one year is that I was going to test the absorbency of different types of paper. Okay, so first of all, I got wax paper. I got... Um, notebook paper, I got paper towel, and I got cardstock paper. So all four different types of paper with the name paper, and I wanted to see which paper was more absorbent. So I went through the test, and you know exactly what I found, that the wax paper was terrible at cleaning up spills, right? There was no absorbency whatsoever to the wax paper. Then I tried the notebook paper, and notebook paper did a pretty good job of getting wet, but I can't say that it really actually uh, absorbed much of the water. Cardstock paper, again, went through and tried to test it with some water and didn't really do a good job. It got wet, but didn't really absorb. And it wasn't until I used the paper towel that I was able to figure out that paper towel is the most absorbent. Some of you are like, well, no, duh. That's, you didn't need to do a test to figure that out. And the reality is that test, when you think about that test, even though they were all paper, they were different ways that they were made in order to absorb the water. And as I think about that, that test that I did years ago, I think about how many of us come into worship on Sunday morning ready to absorb the word in different ways. You know, the same message gets communicated. The same message that's going to be communicated today, you all are going to hear, but some of you are going to respond in different ways. Right? The word goes out every single week. The gospel is proclaimed here from this pulpit into your ears. And each week, sometimes we receive it in a different way. Sometimes some of you come to me afterwards and you're like, Pastor, it was like you have been in my home this week and, and you, you preached like right to my heart. And I'm like, yeah, that's because we know your Alexa in your home. We've got, like, I've got access. To, no, I'm just kidding. I'm just, that's, not, that's not true. But, but you know when life happens and you come expecting, needing a word from the Lord and the Lord speaks to you? Or sometimes you come here on a Sunday morning and you're like super distracted. 
right? You, you can't put your phone down. You're like, I can't wait until we get through these music and the lights come back on so I can get back on my phone and you're doing that or you're thinking about lunch plans or, or whatever and you, you miss the message. You see, just like those papers, they were all paper. But some of them were ready. That the, um, Paper towel was the most absorbent. It was ready to receive the word. And today as we're continuing our series, looking at uh, king, uh, the good news about Jesus and his kingdom come, we've been walking through Matthew, or the book of Mark, sorry, Mark chapters 3 through 5. And as this we're walking through, we see Jesus coming to earth to establish his kingdom in the hearts of people. As we're walking through this, we see that when Jesus comes, he comes preaching and teaching about the kingdom of God. He's healing many. And last week, we saw that many people were beginning to be confused about who Jesus was. We saw the religious leaders wanted to silence Jesus and and see him as a demon that had come from the, the bowels of hell. We also saw last week that even his family was confused about who he was. And so as Jesus is coming, we're forced as we walk through these, three, uh, these few chapters of Scripture, is to consider who Jesus is. And we have to do something with Jesus. right? We either have to reject him as Savior, or we have to receive him as Messiah and as Savior. And today, as we are going to continue this series, and we're walking through Mark chapter 4, 1 through 20, we see this parable that Jesus teaches. And as he's teaching this parable... He's showing us and he's showing his disciples and the listeners at that time the difference in which people, the ways people respond to the word of God, to the teaching that Jesus is giving. And there's different ways that we can respond. And we're going to see this today as we walk through this parable together. Let's look in Mark chapter 4 beginning in verse 1. It says again, he being Jesus began to teach beside the sea. And a very large, large crowd gathered about him, and he got into a boat and sat on it, the sea. And the whole crowd was beside the sea on the land. And he was teaching them many things in parables. And in his teaching, he said to them, Listen, behold, a sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some of the seed fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured it. Other seed fell on the rocky ground where it did not have much soil, and immediately it sprang up since it had no depth of soil. And when the sun rose, it was scorched. And since it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it and yielded no grain. And the other seed fell into good soil and produced grain, growing up and increasing, yielding 30 and 60, 30-fold and 60-fold and 100-fold. And he said, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. And when he was alone, those around him with the 12 asked him about the parable. And he said to him, to them, do you, or to you, has been given the secret of the kingdom of God, but for those outside, everything is in parables, so that they may indeed see, but not perceive, and they may indeed hear, but not understand, lest they should turn and be forgiven. And he said to them, do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? The sower sows the word. And these are the ones along the path where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. And these are the ones sown on rocky ground, the ones who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy. But they have no root in themselves, 
but endure for a while. Then, when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. And others, on the ones whom sown among the thorns, these are the ones that hear the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. But those who are sown in the good soil are the ones who hear the word, accept it, and bear fruit 30-fold, 60-fold, and 100-fold. So we see as Jesus has been going about his ministry on this specific day, Remember, Mark is almost like a rapid-fire um, communicator of all the things that Jesus is doing. And so we go from the scene last week. Immediately, Jesus is now by the sea, the sea, and the crowd is coming in so close to him that he wants to continue to teach. So what does he do to create more space? He gets into a boat and begins teaching from the boat. And as he's preaching and teaching to the crowd that are gathered there, he preaches in parables. He was teaching them many things in parables. Now, parables are simply simple stories that illustrate deep truth. And on this day, he's telling the parable about the soil and the sower. Jesus speaks in this way because he knows the half-hearted listeners aren't going to grab hold of the deep truth. The half-hearted listeners would hear what Jesus is saying and, and they would say something like, oh yeah, that makes sense. Like that's how everyday life works. It, it would be kind of like that to the average listener, the words of God would be simple to something like this. A man wakes up in the morning, he gets in his car and he goes to the grocery store. And while he's at the grocery store, he picks up some eggs, he picks up some bread, picks up some butter, picks up some syrup, goes home. And in his home, he makes himself French toast. He sits down at his table, eats the French toast, is satisfied, then he goes and sits on the couch for the rest of the day. Right, that, that would be like what Jesus is saying. That's a common experience that you might have. Like, how many of you this morning could go out and make yourself French toast? Okay, how many of you after eating French toast would be satisfied? Okay, so in much the same way, that's how Jesus is speaking here. The, the average listener would be like, oh yeah, Hello, yeah, you, sow, you throw out the seed, and guess what? It goes on the ground, and guess what? It produces, sometimes it produces, sometimes it doesn't. If it falls on this soil. And so the average listener is not listening to Jesus' words for the deep spiritual truth that is there. They're just hearing it and saying, oh, yeah, that's, that's common sense. But Jesus uses this, these parables so that those that really have a heart and a desire to listen, they will hear. And they will see. And I love how Jesus here in this be the beginning of this passage, after he says he comes and he calls to them and tells them to listen. Now, this word in your Bible probably has an exclamation point after it. Well, literally, it's, it's an imperative that, that Jesus is saying. It's almost like the word here for listen is almost that Jesus is grabbing the ears of everyone that's there in the crowd, and he's looking them square in the eyes, and he's saying, listen, what I'm about to say to you is of utmost importance. I'm not talking about something, something that's everyday life. I'm not telling you just a story that you could say, no, duh. What I'm giving you information right now can change your life. It can change your eternity. And so he gives them this big statement and then immediately walks into the parable. And it's kind of like, I, I don't know if, 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 if you like this either, because sometimes 
our minds are moving so fast that someone says, hey, listen. And we're like, okay. And then immediately we're like, squirrel? Anyone else like that? I have the opportunity, I have the blessed opportunity to help coach some high school kids in cross country. And it's like, hey guys, gather around. I got something important to tell you. And then like 30 seconds later, their minds are all over the place, listening and half listening. And they're like, what'd you say, coach? Right? Sometimes we're so much like that. And this is what Jesus is saying. He's like, listen, what I have for you is of utmost importance. So as we turn our attention to this parable today, we see that there are three main parts of this parable. We, we see there's a sower, we see that there's a seed, and we see that there are different soils. And sometimes the focus of this parable has been debated, but I think the true point of this sower is pretty simple as we look at it. Right? We see the sower, the sower is God. We see the seed is the word of God. And what we notice about this passage is that there's not a deficiency in the sower. There's not a deficiency in the seed. The difference is in the soils that receive it. Right? So the, there's nothing wrong with the sower. So the sower is, is okay. There's nothing wrong with the seed. There's no deficiency in the seed. The difference is the soil. And these four soils that we see in the text are referring to the varying conditions of the human heart. Again, after telling this parable, Jesus tells his disciples and the people there, he says, He who has ears, let them hear, knowing that not everyone's going to understand. Not everyone's going to be ready to receive the word that Jesus is saying. So as we look at this parable today, what I want us to see is that Jesus' reign is accomplished through response to his word Jesus' reign is accomplished through the response to his word. So the question that we have for us today, the question that you have for yourself today, is how is your heart, or what condition is your heart towards God's word? And we'll see through this parable that there are four conditions of our hearts, four possible opportunities for our hearts as we respond to the word of God today. The first way that we see the first condition of the heart is to have a hard heart. Look with me back again in verse 1. It says, Again, he began to teach beside the sea, and a very large crowd gathered about him, so that he got into a boat and sat in the sea, and the whole crowd was beside the sea on the land. And he was teaching them many things in parables. In his teaching, he said to them, Listen, a sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some, fell, some seed fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured it. Jump down to verse 15. He gives his explanation. He says, These are the ones along the path where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. See, this parable that Jesus is talking about is very simple. Right? A sower goes out to sow the seed. This is a, a common practice in that day, in this Palestinian area at the day. Right? Sowers would go out and indiscriminately sow seed. The seed would be cast out, and it wasn't as though the sower was, was taking each grain of seed, each simple seed, and directly putting it in the ground and then covering it back up himself. No, he was indiscriminately sowing the seed. And as you indiscriminately sow the seed, the seed falls on different soils. And we see here that there are four different types of soils. The, there's the path, there's the rocky ground, the thorny ground, and the good soil. The first soil we see was the path. 
And as this seed falls onto the path, the path has been so hard packed that the, the seed has no ability to uh, enter into the soil. Instead, birds come and immediately eat that seed. Now, if we understand this, this area at the time, farmers' fields in Palestine in this area were normally really, really long, narrow stretches of land. And around each stretch of land was the road or the path. And the soil there would be, over time, would become so hard packed by feet and by hooves and by other things like that that it became a road. It's the way that people traversed between and around the land. And so the soil would become hard, it would become beaten down, and there's no way that the seed could penetrate the soil. So instead, the birds came and eat it. And in verse 15, Jesus gives us the interpretation of the path soil. He says, This soil represents those that hear the word of God, but their heart is so hard-packed that the word cannot penetrate the heart. The word is unable to take root in the heart because it is so hard. And immediately as the word goes out, Satan comes and snatches it away so that person has no ability to receive the word. You know what's amazing about this soil? When we think about the hard-packed soil, the hard-packed heart, is that it didn't become that way overnight. Right? At one time, that soil was just soil like every player else. The ground was just like ground anywhere else. But over time, as it was continually pressed upon and beaten down and discouraged, it becomes hard. And maybe your heart feels like that. Maybe it's hard for you to receive the word of God because your heart has been hardened as a way of helping you just survive life. Like you've endured hurt over hurt after hurt after discouragement after failure. You've, you've tried to enter into relationships and you continue to get beat down and discouraged and your heart just becomes so hard. You're like, I'm never, ever, ever, never, ever going to let anyone in ever again because it's just too painful. And then you hear the word of God where you hear the words that says this, Jesus loves you. And you're like, I got no time for that. There's no way that Jesus can love me. There's no way that he can love me because no one else in this world has ever loved me. I can't experience this. So what you're telling me is a fairy tale. It's a fable. I can't believe it. I won't receive it. That's hard heart comes from a place of woundedness. Right? I love how Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18, about the hardened heart's response to God in Christ. This is what it says. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. The, it's, the cross is foolishness to some people. Right, when you think about really what we believe in is that our Savior, the one that has come to save us from our sins, was a Jewish man that died on a cross 
So when you think about that, this, this image of execution, this image of, of someone that is accursed, it, of course it seems foolish to the world. You're, so you're telling me that the one that's going to save me from my sins died 2,000 years ago on a cross? It's foolishness to those who have hardened hearts. But when the Lord comes in and he takes that hardened heart and through his Holy Spirit, he breaks that up. He breaks up all of that, that brokenness. He breaks up all of, of, of the covering and all the hardness. The cross then becomes the most beautiful thing because it's a reminder that a mighty exchange took place. That Joe Jesus went to a cross. On the cross, he was paying the penalty for my sin. He stepped in and took my place. I deserve to be a curse from God. I deserve to be condemned from God because I have rejected God in my heart. And yet I look to the cross and it reminds me that Jesus stepped in and took my place. And through his sacrifice and through my faith in his work on the cross, I can be forgiven. So the cross is the most beautiful thing. So the good news for you today is that your hardened heart is not beyond being saved. While you still have breath in your lungs, your hardened heart has the opportunity to be saved if we allow the Holy Spirit to come wrecking, wrecking right through, bringing his wrecking ball, bringing his whatever it is to break up the, the hardened soil of our hearts. He can do it. Because that's the amazing thing about this. Right? As we, we look at the soil, we look at the good soil, and we look at the hard-packed soil, they're in the same location. One just has been prepared. Right? It's gone through the process of, as we'll see in a minute, it's gone through the process of being weeded. It's gone through the process of having the stones removed. It's had, gone through the process of having the hardened surface to be broken down so that it can receive the word. This morning, as you are here, is your heart hardened to the word of God? Do you see the word of God as something that was written so many years ago that's not applicable for your life today, that it's got nothing for you? Do you reject Jesus? If that's you, I want to encourage you, you're, or I want to just remind you, you're in a very dangerous place. Because you're not experiencing the life that God has designed for you. You're walking among the death and decay of life and you're not receiving or experiencing the true life that God has for you. The heart and soil is in a dangerous place. The second heart that we see is a shallow heart. Look with me in verse five. He says, other seed fell on rocky ground where it did not have much soil and immediately it sprang up and since it had no depth of soil, and when the sun rose, it was scorched, and since it had no root, it withered away. Verse 16, Jesus explains. He says, these are the ones sown on rocky ground, the ones who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy. And they have no root in themselves, but endure for a while. Then when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. So the second soil is the soil where the seed fell on rocky ground. 
Right? The, the seed comes and it eventually withers away because it, it doesn't have the moisture. It doesn't have the ability to sustain itself. And yet it goes away. When the sun comes out, it is scorched and it dies. Jesus interprets this and says, this is the person that hears the word of God. And they hear it and they have an emotional response to the word of God. They hear it and they immediately receive it with joy. But they receive it in joy and it begins to produce life, but there's nothing there to sustain it. So eventually it dies. There's no depth. There's no moisture. So this is the shallow heart. You see, a shallow-hearted person hears the gospel being proclaimed, but doesn't understand the whole gospel. Maybe they hear the gospel and they want to receive the parts of the gospel that benefit them. Right? They hear about the fact that Jesus can forgive them of their sins and give them new life which is true, but their shallow heart only responds in an emotional way with joy. I remember growing up, uh, the part of my childhood was a part of tent revivals and evangelistic crusades. Anyone else live a life like that? Okay, where you're Going to church and you, you have this common experience where we, we've got we to gotta see people get saved and it's all about getting people saved. And so you get an evangelist to come in and that evangelist comes and, and preaches uh, a, a fiery f- a sermon about hell and brimstone and all that and trying to get people all riled up and, and uh, the people get all excited because they're like, yeah, preach it, pastor. Preach about hell, and, and which is we need to preach about hell. But then in the end, they, they try to rile everyone up and everyone gets in this emotional frenzy and everyone's like, okay, I, I don't want to go to hell. Jesus, forgive me. I don't want to go to hell. And then the pastor's like, and all you need to do is walk this aisle, pray this prayer, raise your hand, get baptized, and you'll be okay. Right? That's, that's what we hear. And, and I'm, not, I'm not picking on evangelists. I'm not, I'm not saying that. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with their message. What I'm saying is, is that there are times in which we can see only one part of Jesus. And it's easy for people to get all emotionally wrapped up and they're like, yeah, I don't want to go to hell. Jesus saved me from hell. And you're like, I I want that part of Jesus. I want the saving part of Jesus. I I don't want the lordship side of Jesus. I, I don't got time for that. And so people, people come to Jesus and they're like, yeah, I'll, I want to be on fire for Jesus. I'm going to make a decision to follow Jesus. So they pray that prayer. They walk the aisle. They get baptized. And then they go on and live their life however they want to. What Jesus is saying here is that it's possible for people to be deceived into believing that they really have faith when they really don't. Right, just because someone is on fire when they come to Christ, the proof is in the perseverance. That's how you really know you're saved. Right, someone that, that comes to Christ and like, yeah, Jesus saved me of my sins, 
And they, they believe, like, when they receive the gospel, whatever part of the gospel they receive, they think that, that life is going to be okay, that life's going to be fun, that when Jesus saves me, it's going to be easy. And so they're like, yeah, I'll follow Jesus. I'll follow Jesus. Wherever he tells me to go, I'll follow Jesus as long as it's easy. Right? But then they, they begin to go through life, and then, as it says here, they become pers- persecuted because of the word, because the word calls them to live differently than the way they were living before. And when they start to live differently and they lose friends, they lose jobs, they lose this, they lose that, they're like, uh-uh, I, I'm not, that's not what I signed up for. I'm out. Jesus is saying, be very, very careful. Examine your heart. Listen. Just because you had an emotional experience doesn't mean that you're saved. Especially those, and we've seen this. I've seen this throughout my whole life. There there are people that that, that experience God in a way and and they begin to live and then they they get off the the rails and they start living their own life and and they come back to me and they're like, Pastor, I'm okay. I I mean, I, I was saved, but I'm not living like it right now. I'm like, I press in. I'm like, really? You're really saved? What's your heart towards God's word? I don't got time for God's word. Jesus gives us a clear indication here to be very, very careful because it is possible to receive the word with joy and then to walk away. The third soil is the distracted heart. Verse seven says, other seed fell among thorns and the thorns grew up and choked it and it yielded no grain. Verse 18, he explains it. And the others are the ones sown among the thorns. They are those that hear the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desire for other things enter in and choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. Again, we see this third soil that hears the word, receives the word, but the word's got no place to grow. It gets choked out, and it dies, and what's left in its place is not producing good things, but these thorns. Thorny soil is those that hear the word, but their faith is choked out by the thorns that are all around them. They become distracted by the things of this world. The thorny soil heart is the one that hears the gospel and receives again a part of the message but misunderstands. Right? This could be someone that, that hears about coming to Christ, that in Christ we are adopted by God and there's an inheritance that is to come. And so we believe that there's this, this material side of coming to know Christ. Right? We, we see this showing up in churches today called the prosperity gospel. This says when you, when you believe in Christ and place faith in Christ, what's going to happen is that God's going to make you wealthy and wise. Healthy, wealthy, and wise. Right? You're like, that's, that's, I want that, Jesus. Jesus is going to give me a mansion. I'm going to walk in. I'm going to name it. I'm going to claim it and all of that. But then what happens is the Bible tells us here that person that believes that, when the cares of the world come in or the deceitfulness of the world comes in, this person's out. Thorny soil 
Or the seed that falls in this soil is a heart that's filled with physical and looking for physical and material blessings. And when they walk with Christ and it doesn't turn out that way, they walk away. See, both these two soils, the, the, the first one's easy to detect, right? That one's, that one's a person that's got no time for God. I got no time for his word. I got no time for his people. I, just leave me alone. It's these middle two soils that should really concern us as children of God. Or even as followers of Christ, we want to make sure that we're not in the middle two soils. You see, this parable is a warning to us to make sure that we're not deceived. I think one of the most terrible passages in all scripture comes in Matthew chapter 7, verses 21 through 23. And this is what Jesus says. He says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven, on that day many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Did we not cast out demons in your name? Did we not do mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you worker of lawlessness. Doesn't that scare you? Does, that, that, that's like quick heart check. Like check your heart real quickly because it's not based on what you do. Lord, Lord, did we not cast out demons in your name? Lord, Lord, did we not give all of our money to the poor? Lord, did we not do all this stuff? And Jesus says, I don't know you. Actually, you're a worker of lawlessness. Oh, but Jesus, I thought I was doing all these things for you. I mean, I came to church. I gave my money. I served. I even went on a mission trip. He says, all of that was works of lawlessness. Because your heart was not right. What's scary about this is that it's so easy for people to be deceived to thinking because they prayed some prayer years ago, because they walked some aisle, because they did this or did that, that they're okay. The whole idea behind God's word today is the true follower of Jesus perseveres. The true follower of Jesus receives the word of God. And we're going to see this in just a moment. It receives the word of God and it produces something. Not you. The soil doesn't produce it. It's the seed that's actually growing, not the soil. It's the seed that's producing the growth. And so let's look at the right soil, the fertile heart. Jesus says in verse 8. And the other seed fell into good soil and produced grain, growing up, increasing, and yielding 30-fold, 60-fold, and 100-fold. Verse 20, he explains it. But those, were the, those that were sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word, accept it, and bear fruit, 30-fold, 60-fold, and 100-fold. Until this point, we see the first soil has no real salvation, the second soil has no salvation, the third soil has no salvation, and we come to the fourth soil and we're like, hey, is there any hope? And Jesus steps in and says, yes. There is a soil. There's a good soil. A good soil that receives the seed and produces. Produces different things. 
And what I want us to see about this first, this third soil, is that, is that he calls it the good soil. Right? But when we hear this, sometimes we hear this and we say, well, the good soil is good because it had some inherent goodness. Or it had some inherent moral goodness or a moral disposition. That, that's not what Jesus is saying. Right? Inside of this soil, there is nothing inherently good that makes it receive the word. Meaning a good person, a moral person, is not what Jesus is talking about here. Jesus is talking about someone whose heart desperately knows that it needs him and is ready to receive. When they hear the word, when they hear about Jesus, they're ready to receive it because they know they desperately need it. Their eyes are open to see, their ears are open to hear, and their hearts are ready to receive. So it's not about their goodness. The good soil could be the most terrible person in the whole entire world could be the most moral person in the world that's not what determines the good soil the good soil is that which receives the word how's your heart this morning is your heart hard towards the word is your heart heart shallow towards the word is your heart divided is your heart ready to take root allow the word to take root because here's the thing is when seed comes into good soil it can't help but produce life that's the power of the seed have you ever thought about that like the potential in a seed if you were to take one apple seed and you were to place that in the ground and produce over time it would produce a tree and that tree would produce other apples, and then you take some of the seeds from those other apples, and you plant them in different places. Eventually, in, in really kind of a short amount of time, you could have an orchard from the power of one seed. That's the power of the word of God in our lives. The power of the word of God in our lives is that it's supposed to produce in us not worldliness, but godliness. And one great indicator of, of whether or not you have true faith or not is to look at the fruit that's being produced in your life. Is God continuing to change you? Are you continuing in this process of sanctification, meaning being more like Jesus and less like yourself? Like when you hit difficult times, do you find that you're able to persevere through those because of the word that you've believed? Or do you turn your back? Or do you walk through life and you're like, yeah, I want Jesus and something else. I'll be happy when I have Jesus and I have whatever else is in, whatever else we put in that line. A true follower of Jesus says, I just want Jesus. I just want his word. I'm a student of his word and I'm in his word. And his word begins to change inside of me and transform me from the inside out. So this morning, where is your heart? Maybe you're here today and you, the power of the Spirit has been convicting you. Maybe the Lord is, is freeing up your hardened heart this morning and for the very first time, you're wanting to believe the goodness of God. Or maybe you're being challenged because you're like, you know in your heart you don't truly have faith. 
Well, today, let me encourage you to receive the message of the gospel this morning. Here simply is the message of the gospel. You are a sinner, disobedient to your heavenly father. And because of that, there's a great gulf right now that you feel. There's distance between you and a holy God. That's what you feel now. But if you die in your sins, you're headed to a, an eternity where the judgment of God will be continually be poured out on you for all eternity. That's what's headed for those that don't believe. But God loves you so much, he doesn't want you to be there. He doesn't want you to go to an eternity full of condemnation. Instead, what did he do? He came and he said, his son, Jesus... God coming to earth to save us. And so what did Jesus do? He lived a perfect life. He lived a life that you couldn't. And then he died the death that you deserve. Because the Bible tells us that sin has to be punished. And God's wrath was poured out on Jesus on the cross. So as he hung there, your sin and my sin were all placed on Jesus. And Jesus endured the wrath of God. And then Jesus died. And God saw that his sacrifice was enough, that Jesus was raised from the dead, and now Jesus is alive. Which is exciting. Right? Jesus is alive. Now we can allow his forgiveness to become ours, his righteousness to become ours, if we place faith and trust in his work, not in our own. So literally what we do is we come to consider Christ. We consider the person of Christ. And we say... I confess that I'm not Jesus. I confess that I'm not perfect. I need Jesus to forgive me of my sins and take control of my life. That's where you say, I'm all in. Jesus, forgive me of my sin and now take control of my life. I, you give over the reins of your life and you say, Jesus, take the wheel. I will follow you wherever you go. I will trust you in whatever you say. And there is the moment of salvation to the person that has a surrendered heart. Not just I want Jesus because he'll do this for me. I want Jesus because he's all I need. If you're here today and that's the decision that you need to make, you can do so by just calling on his name. If you wanna to talk to someone, we have people that are available. Uh, after the service, you can come grab me by the hand and say, Pastor, I need to know Jesus. Or maybe you're here today and you know that you've been living the charade in your life. I would encourage you, don't live it any longer. Bow your knee before Jesus and give him everything. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your words today. We know that your words are true and that your words bring life. Father, we know that there's power in your word. Your words alone have the power to raise the dead, to heal the brokenness. In your word is life. In your word is power. In your word is strength. And so, Father, I pray today as we've heard your word, would you allow it to accomplish its work in our hearts today? Father, today, if we've been living a lie, if there's someone here that's been living a lie, Father, I pray today they would stop and they would just come to surrender. 
Maybe there's a, a follower, a believer here today that has been struggling just to continue to lift their head and walk with you. Father, would you give them strength today from your word? Would you remind them that this life is hard? In this life, we will have troubles. But because of our faith in you, because you have already overcome, we can lift our head. For God, you draw, draw near to the brokenhearted. You encourage the weary. So Father, whatever, whatever your word needs to do in us today, Father, I pray that it would and we would respond appropriately. In Jesus' name we pray. Thank you for joining us as we study God's word together. We would love to hear how God is moving in your heart and get you connected into the Woodside Bible Church family. Head to woodsidebible.org connect to introduce yourself today.